Trades Work, the Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association podcast starts right now. Here's your host, Dave DeVito. Welcome back, everyone, to Trades Work, podcast for Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association. Today, we are delighted to have Speaker Alec Garnett of the Colorado House of Representatives with us. This is our uh, first shot at interviewing Mr. Garnett and being able to talk with the speaker about what's happening in the legislature and for us to learn a little bit more about him and his background. Welcome, Mr. Speaker. Hey, Dave. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm looking forward to the conversation and I'm looking forward to uh, uh, learning more about the podcast and your listeners and sharing the great relationship that you and I have in the work that we do down here at the Capitol. Thank you for those kind words. So let's start. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and what drew you to public service and wanting to be an elected official, because it's got to be very rewarding and thank uh, this work <laughs> that is full of thanks and, and hugs. Yeah, well, uh, it used to be like that. It's a little bit more um, extreme right now. But I'm a fourth generation Colorado and I grew up in Boulder. Uh, one side of my family were miners in uh, Eagle County at the Gilman Mine. My, grand, my great-grandfather graduated from the Colorado School of Mines in 1912. And the other side of my family were farmers in Brush, Colorado. And they both sort of migrated to Boulder for the university. That's where my parents grew up. That's where I was raised with my uh, younger brother. And that's where I went to high school. I went to undergrad and my mom was like, you know what, you can't go to CU with all your high school buddies. You're going to have to get out of state and go to a smaller school. So I, they drove me out to uh, north central rural Ohio and I went to a very small school, the College of Worcester. I studied history. I was always really fascinated in uh, leaders from the past who were making uh, big decisions in pivotal moments in human history. And so I did my thesis on Emin, or on uh, Michael Collins, who was an Irish revolutionary during the years of war and revolution from like 1912 to 1925. And um, I was always fascinated. Well, you know, when you're in that position of power, how do people uh, arrive at the right decision? How do they, what, what can we learn when they arrived at the wrong decision? And so that's really where I spent most of my undergrad. I came back and I studied, uh, I got a master's in public administration. I spent some time in DC. I never thought I was actually going to run for office, but the way that Colorado works is it's a very, we have a very open process where if you put in the sweat equity, you decide it's my time to go and, and try and serve my community. Um, our system really allows for that to happen. So the house that we moved into in Denver, my wife and I, Emily, uh, is the youngest house district based on average age of voter in the state. So Emily was like, you should just run. You should try. And so I did. Uh, it all worked out. I'm serving my last year in the legislature. It's an honor to be Speaker of the House. Um, I feel like, you know, public service is the best way to give back, to change the direction uh, of, of the state, of a community. That's uh, the best place to try to craft solutions to problems, try to minimize unintended consequences. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. It's been an honor. I don't know if I'll ever have a job as cool as this again, but I'm term limited and I will be moving on at the end of this session. Well, you've done a great job at helping to lead uh, your party and us as an organization. You've been always very approachable and one that uh, listens to uh, really difficult situations and coming up with, you know, common sense solutions 
And for that, I'm very grateful uh, for your work. So t- talk to us a little bit about, it sounds like, you know, you're a dad, you're, you're a spouse, and you're the speaker. So tell us, what's it like to be Speaker Garnett and, and give us a glimpse into what a day in the life is like? It's a busy one. I'm, uh, I have three kids, six. I have a son, Ashton, who's six. My daughter, Adela, is three. And then my youngest son, Anders, is seven months uh, today. And so the day usually starts pretty early. About five o'clock is when my kids got up this morning. I get them up. I help get them dressed. I jump on the Peloton for 30 minutes to try to get my heart rate up so that the stress of the job of being speaker doesn't drive me crazy. And then I drive my kids to school. I'm to the Capitol by 840 to get ready because we have to gavel in at nine o'clock every morning. And then I gavel in and we start our day. The, the, the cool part about the Capitol, I really encourage any of your listeners to just reach out to me if you ever are in the area or you want to come down and see the house in action. I'll, I'll make sure you have a great seat on the floor. We'll roll out the red carpet for you. I, I feel like it's my responsibility um, to show the people how the, the business is done down here. And it starts at nine o'clock every morning. And whatever's on the calendar for that day, either second reading or third reading, we'll get through and then we'll break and, and uh, other commi- other members of the General Assembly will go into to committee uh, where, you know, they break up into smaller groups to talk about individual bills and to hear from the public as they testify. And then I usually go and sit in meetings from, you know, 10 o'clock to about 4 uh, or 4.45. I try to sneak out and go pick up uh, Della, my three-year-old. I get home, I feed him, I put him to bed, usually by 8.15, and then I work from 8.15 to as long as I can, usually about 11 or 11.15. I try to get exactly six hours of sleep. I've learned that if I get more or less, it actually screws everything up. So I try to get six hours of sleep to get up and do it all over again. Um, it's really, really busy. But again, it's an honor, and it's only going to be here for another. There's only 92 days left in session. So before you know it, I'm going to be the former speaker. No one's going to care about my opinion and uh, and so I'm really trying to enjoy every day. So six hours of sleep. I, I don't know that uh, most of us can operate on that. Uh, and is this like a daily thing that you, you, you strive for or do you get some time off on the weekends? It does. I try to catch up. There's always one day out of the week where I'll crash. I either won't be able to come back. I'll fall asleep while I'm putting my kids to sleep. And so, yeah, there's always one day to catch up. Sometimes on the weekends, sometimes it's during the week. Uh, you know, the kids are, you know, I think what what's the saying? The nights are long and the years are short. So before you know it, I'm going to wake up and, the, you know, my kids are going to be, you know, pouring a bowl of cereal and turn on the TV by themselves and they're not going to need me anymore. Well, they still need you. They come back. That's what I've been told. <laughs> That's, good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Even, even after college. As speaker, I know that you play a critical role in driving the legislative agenda and setting priorities. What do you believe the top priorities are going to be for this year? Yeah, I, we do do that. And I think, uh, what's important is every year, um, you know, like, like anything, uh, things ebb, things flow, things change. And I think the thing that is uh, very apparent to me right now, as I look out at the state of Colorado is that this pandemic has been really hard on people. People are not, um, enjoying life the way that we did before. There's certainly things that I took for granted that, you know, going to a Nuggets game and, and just like feeling relaxed and listening to the crowd go wild as, as, you know, Joe Kick hits a game winner, you know, being able to just go into the grocery store kind of stress-free. So there's just been a lot of stress that's built up on people. 
and people are frustrated with um, kind of their day to day right now. And so I think I want to meet them where they are. The Colorado electorate is about as smart electorate as we have in the entire country. And so no one actually thinks Alec Garnett, Speaker of the House at the state capitol can solve all their problems. And I don't think that either. Uh, all they want to know is that we're focused on what they're focused on and that we're doing what we can within our power to make life a little bit better, however, whatever that may be. And so I think there's three things that are really impacting people's lives right now. One is affordability. Colorado has, uh, no matter where you are, it's not just a metro area problem anymore. Affordability is a problem. Uh, afford trying to find a place to live, uh, trying to put your kids uh, through uh uh, school, just trying to buy your everyday items. Uh, there is a price sensitivity that we're experiencing in this state that has been growing, uh, that we have tried to address in the past around healthcare and, and other issues. Um, but we, uh, it, it's gotten, it's gotten pretty bad. The second thing is people want to know that their kids are set up to be successful in, in the classroom. I have three kids, like I said before, uh, they're getting to that kind of classroom age. They're in early childhood right now. And I think, People are feeling like the classroom is where the pressures of society right now are falling, right? The teachers and the parents and the kids and trying to manage this pandemic has been very, very challenging. And they just want to know that um, the state is providing the resources to the 178 school districts across the state so that they can meet the demands of their local school district because we have a very local control system here in the state where the school board and the individual district has a lot of power and control and that it should be that way. And then the third thing is they just want to, they want to feel safe. They want to make sure that they can uh, walk to work, walk their kids to school uh, and, and not worry about crime. And crime is on the rise. And so uh, we need to do a good job of putting in place um, thoughtful policies that kind of meet uh, people where they are. And I think one thing that everyone can agree on is that our mental and behavioral health system is broken. We need to do a better job of that. So with all these issues, you're gonna see us um, investing, uh, coming up with creative solutions. It's not gonna solve all these problems that are out there, but it's important for your listeners to know we hear you, we understand, and we're gonna do the best we can. Well, that seems like a pretty clear set agenda, and it's good to hear, because uh, you know workforce, workforce housing, Things of that is yeah. important to our members, and I'm really glad to have a champion in you and your team down there. So with the number of issues that are being debated down there that are going to impact our members, um, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, we've seen a, a series of bills over the years talking about how do we, you know, make, there have been a number of issues debated by the legislature that will impact our members. We talked about a couple of those here just a minute ago, but one that we are seeing this year conversationally is about electrification. And I know the last couple of years, there's been a lot of time and effort spent on, you know, how do we make wise decisions now to help the environment, make the air quality better and things of that nature. And so how do you strike a balance between reducing air emissions uh, and fostering good technology to be able to help in the pursuit of making Colorado uh, remain a great place to be? Such an important question, uh, Dave. And I know how important it is to, to your members and to your listeners. Let me just first say, uh, uh, and, you, and you touched on this, intertwined through all the priorities are making sure that our workforce is ready for the increase in 
uh, demand growth that we see here uh, in the state. Uh, I just wanted to highlight that it is it is a top priority. It isn't kind of it's it's sort of highlighted in like the bullet points underneath those big buckets, and and it's a really important thing. I think in terms of um, balancing uh, priorities down here at the state capitol, there's no doubt. I think that we all share uh, a view that we want to keep Colorado the the wonderful, beautiful state that we all grew up in, that we all either you know some people moved here for. Um, that really keeps us uh, excited about uh, the fact that we're the best union, you know, best state in the union. And air quality is at the tip top of everyone's mind. I think some of that's been driven by outside forces like the forest fires from California and some of the air quality concerns from the last summer. And some of it is just um, the sort of reemergence of the kind of brown cloud when you look out on, on some certain days along the front range and and being concerned about how to uh, come together and solve that problem. The the important thing at the at the state capitol is there's lots of ideas about how to do that. Uh, electrification is one of them. Uh, what we as legislators need to do a better job of, and it's sort of my core philosophy, is we need to make sure that we are listening and incorporating all voices into those conversations before we tell everyone what the solution is going to be, and make sure that we're listening. Uh, and we're refereeing a fair discussion about how to kind of move the state forward and what's a reasonable uh, solution that has limited unintended consequences. And there's some times that we do that better than other times. I think that there are a wide variety of strategies that are needed to improve air quality. Electrification is certainly one that comes up, um, but it's just kind of one uh, idea of of kind of this broader puzzle. And I think we just need to make sure that we are having a broader conversation about all those ideas uh, instead of having uh, those conversations in isolation, which sometimes happens in this building. Uh, I'm hopeful that uh, you're going to see less bill volume, less bills moving through the system that's going to facilitate more time and it's going to facilitate better conversations uh, with everybody as we try to navigate these challenges and, and we start thinking through are the best ways of moving forward. Yeah, and ladies and gentlemen, that's what leadership looks like right there. Because these these uh, conversations are coming from almost every angle, and being able to take a pause and thoughtfully kind of debate these and and take input is really really important. And we thank you for that. So one of the other big items for us is workforce development. Uh, as you know, we delivered to the legislature recently our recent economic impact study uh, done by Colorado, uh, University of Colorado, sorry. And according to that report released last month, our industry is projected to grow by 28% by 2030. And so that does not account for those folks that are 55 eight years of age and older right now uh, going through and into retirement. And so meeting this challenge is a, is a big, enormous, or meeting the demand is going to be a big challenge for us. You know, we certainly appreciate everything you've done to help us launch the Western States College of Construction. Can you give us a little insight or perspective on this opportunity from your chair and where you see this fitting into that puzzle? Yeah, it's a puzzle that we have, um, and this is kind of the problem with government, right? Like we, this isn't a new problem. It's just kind of been accelerated by a couple of things. It's been accelerated by um, some of the workforce challenges that the pandemic has brought on. 
And it's been accelerated by the fact that we live in the best state ever. And a lot of people want to move here and it's, it's creating a lot of uh, growth potential. And uh, there's, there's a lot of pros to that. And there's like some drawbacks and we got to just make sure we're ready for it. And I, I was talking to my wife about this over the weekend because we were kind of driving through the metro area. And, you know, when the great um, recession came in 2008, 9, 10, uh, the state went through a pretty challenging time. So did a lot of other parts of the country. And at the time, the Hickenlooper administration, uh, he was the governor at the time, focused a lot on jobs, jobs, jobs. How do you attract uh, the right companies here? How do we, you know, help get our economy back on the right track? And it worked. We attracted a lot of companies here. A lot of people started moving here. Our economy started, was put on the right track, but we didn't prepare for the future. Uh, we didn't fix our transportation infrastructure. Luckily, uh, through the help and the leadership, uh, Dave, that you uh, showed last year, we were able to get a transportation bill through and in, on top of the infrastructure bill from the feds, I think, I think we are there in terms of what we need to uh, make sure that we remain competitive with our neighboring states. We didn't, you know, address the, like the housing issue. Uh, you know, the housing prices along the front range have uh, gone up. This is not a bubble. It's a supply and demand issue. And that's because we didn't prepare for this growth. And then the workforce uh, shortages that we're seeing, we knew we had to do a better job of trying to link post-secondary options to the workforce. And, and it just hasn't quite worked out, but. Uh, we are trying. We're going to continue to try. You're going to see this legislature build off the success of what we did last year. And we're going to invest, I would say, up to $100 million in uh, in making sure our, our workforce is prepared for the future, making sure that, you know, the, the options, uh, the post-secondary options are, are available and that people know of, of all the great opportunities that they're going to have uh, to turn you know, maybe some of the credentials that they've uh, had over time into credits uh, through the college that we set up or just linking uh, businesses with that potential post-secondary pool of, of people. We have to continue to lead forward. Um, uh, we got to invest a lot. I think this is going to be the biggest investment that we have seen uh, in, in workforce strategies in the history of the state. And it's about time. I hope that uh, we don't uh, kind of fall further behind. And I'm, I'm, I'm proud of what we're going to do this year. I just hope it's enough. Well, we're excited to hear and see what that looks like. So what are, what are your other thoughts on ways that we can cultivate our workforce in the state and how can we play a role in that? It, it really is trying to just make sure people know of the, uh, all the opportunities that are out there. I'm term limited. I'm, I'm about to start the next phase of whatever is you know right for me in my life. There's a lot of people who kind of go through these transitions in their professional careers. Uh, mine is I, I can see it coming. Some people, you know, some sometimes there's an abrupt ending to theirs. We just need to make sure that when people like me are going to think through what's next for them, that they know of all the wonderful options uh, that are out there uh, in in some of these key professions where the work is great. You can build a great life for yourself. It's uh, it's critical to the, to the success of our economy. And so just making sure that we're educating, that we're in all the right spots, um, and that people know of the opportunities that are out there. And, and that's what we've been trying to do. I think, uh, we just have to get smarter and uh, more thoughtful about it. And I think that's where you'll see, 
some of these ideas coming from uh, that, that people talked about during this workforce task force that was going on uh, during the interim. Well, you let in really nicely to our last question, which is, you know, the question that we're wanting to know, I think a lot of people are wanting to know, what's next for you? Yeah, I put a ton of thought into it. It keeps me up uh, late at night. I got three young kids. Um, I want to make sure it, it all works. You know, I'm uh, I'm trying to, you know, a lot of people are talking about, are there other political opportunities um, on the horizon? And I'm, I'm certainly thinking through all those options. I'm trying to figure out, am I the right person uh, for those jobs? I've always been kind of a believer that public f- service for most is a temporary thing. I like to say that serving down at the legislature is like playing college ball. I know I've told Dave this. It's like playing college ball where, you know, you have a great time. Most people don't go on to play the professionals, right? They don't go on to the next level. Uh, but you play a great game down here. It's important to your community. It's important to your colleagues. It's important to the state. Um, but, you know, when I walk around the grocery store, it's not like people are stopping me uh, because, you know, we're just state legislators. And that's a good thing. That's how it's supposed to be. I think as I think about what's next, I, you know, I'm trying to balance family and, and the sense of obligation to continue to serve. Um, whatever it is, I know I'll be here in Colorado. I know I'll be in Denver. Um, I want to be a part of this community and, and a part of this the fabric here that's helping create solutions and minimize the problems that we see out there. And it's a critical time. I think Denver's at a at a critical moment in our history. And so uh, all options are on the table. So anyone listening. You know, don't don't hesitate to call text. I'm a great assistant. I can, you know, I can jump in at the ground level as long as there's uh, promotional opportunities. Uh, but I'm going to have to figure it out pretty soon. Well, I appreciate your honesty. More importantly, appreciate your time. Thank you for everything you're doing for Colorado. Thank you for the support you've given our industry and workforce development and the college. Uh, you led a bill last year that really uh, made a big impact for us. So thank you. We appreciate that. Yeah, you got it, Dave. It's been an honor to work with you. And for all your listeners, I just want you to know how important Dave's voice is down at the Capitol. Uh, It takes a lot of time to build up as much respect as Dave has. He's a trusted voice, uh, and I always like to hear his perspective on things because I know uh, he's not trying to take me in any direction. He's just trying to solve problems for the city of Colorado. So it's been an honor to be on. Thanks for the invite, and I look forward to uh, listening to more episodes and uh, maybe hearing from some of your listeners if they want to reach out. Sounds great. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. We appreciate you being on today. And for our listeners, uh, please tune in to our next episode of Tradeswork Podcast. Tradeswork is a production of the Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association. For more information about our organization, please visit rmmca.org.